0: So today we're going to continue with Great Jewish Treasures. Uh, we're going to discuss a few svarim. Uh, one of the svarim, a very, very valuable sefer, is called the Ketzeis HaCheshen. Kitsai HaCheshen is uh, one of the classic svarim that are learned in yeshivas. So it's a high-level sefer, but it's one which is when you're learning like chesha Mishpo, you're learning financial matters, it's like perhaps the most important uh, sefer written by an Akhran around. So there's a story behind this uh, particular volume of this particular sefer. This is the way the charblat, the the title page, looks. And there was, in Tells, Tells in Europe was one of the major yeshivas. And... um, we know that during the war in 1941, the Nazis came into Telv, which was in Lithuania, and just sort of killed the entire community and the entire yeshiva. There were two survivors amongst the rosh yeshivas. One was Reb Elimeir Blach, which is this is what he looks, that, that's a picture of him, a painting. And the other one was Reb Katz, Reb Chaim Mardichai Katz. They were in America, just so happens to be, during the outbreak of the Holocaust, of the war, uh, to collect money for the yeshivas. They were in America, which, um, uh, you know, provided them, uh, that saved their lives, actually. And the two of them, in 1941, opened the Tel's Yeshiva in Cleveland. One of the early American yeshivas, one of the great yeshivas in America, on these shores that um, became one of the primary and they were rebuilding the legacy of the, of the great yeshiva in Europe that, that was destroyed. Now, shortly after the end of World War II, Rav Mardukhai Gifter, who was a Talmud of Tells and he was, uh, his wife was a niece of Rav Blach, he accompanied him on a fundraising trip to New York so they went together on the way they were in a jewish bookstore and the owner of the store was like an old european jew rev blach the Rashiva, asked the store owner if he could purchase a volume of the Kzeis, if he has a volume of the tzais for sale so the elderly man climbed up a ladder and searched finally retrieving a dusty copy of the sefer he found all the way on the top of a shelf this copy, the last copy of the Kzeis that he owned, and he like, he blew on, and there was like dust flying off of it. And just as he was about to give the Sefer to Rabbi Blach, the store owner pulled it back and looked at him intensely. And he said, I will sell you the Sefer on two conditions. First, I understand that you have lost your entire family in yeshiva in the European Inferno, and that you are trying to rebuild the Talz yeshiva here. For your own sanity, he said, give it up. There is only so much heartache a man can take, and you are setting yourself up for failure. There is no place for such yeshiva in America. Rabbi Blach listened silently as the man continued. And second, let's be honest, America will never have the terrorist scholarship that was in Europe. What Hitler destroyed cannot be rebuilt. Treat the safer you are holding as a relic, because it may very well be the last Ketzeis HaChashen that will ever be sold in America. That's what he told him. Rabbi Bloch didn't respond. He purchased the safer and walked out. And after a few moments, he turned to Rabbi Gifter and exclaimed, he's right. Rabbi Gifter was stunned, but Rabbi Bloch continued, logically, he is 100% correct, for logically, there is no chance that Torah scholarship and yeshivas can flourish in this country. And logically, this should indeed be the final Kitsais ever purchased in America. But Terra doesn't adhere to the laws of logic. The greatness of Terra is that it can inconceivably perpetuate itself and rebuild despite all odds. You will see that Tells will indeed be rebuilt here in America, and that more volumes of Kitsais will be printed and sold in this country than ever before. The last Kitsais is still extant currently located in a suburb of Yerushalayim. We present its image here as a testament to the miraculous rebirth of the terror world against all odds from the ashes of the Chorban of Europe. So this is a copy. I was able to, I don't even remember how I was able to track it down, but this was the actual copy that, of that last Kitzai. That's why I called it the last Kitzai, what did I call it? The last Kitzai in America. This is a picture of it, and this is a picture of it. I found that there's some guy in Yerushalayim and Matasdarf that has it, and I had a photographer go to his house and take pictures of it. And, uh, and that's how. Uh, so the question is how did he get, how did this guy in Yerushalayim get the book, right? How did he get this Laskitz Ice sold in America, which obviously wasn't the last Ice? There's many thousands have been sold since. So um, I think I bring the story in the back. Of the book, yeah. The last is owned by Rabbi David Fisher in Yerushalayim. His father, Reb Ruben Fisher, a Talmud in Tells, received a famous copy from Reb Lach when he needed a Meiri Chulin, which Rabbi Fisher had, and they traded Svarim. So, in other words, he needed a, a Meiri on Chulin, and he had it this Rabbi Fisher, and uh, so they traded Svarim and he basically uh, so now he owns the last Kitsai sold in America, and that's uh, that's the story with uh, with that safer. But it's it was pretty cool that we were able to to track it down. Okay, that's one safer that I wanted to share with you, a famous safer that made it into treasures because we found uh, the artifact of this uh, of this safer. Um, one other uh, very very important copy of a sefer is a gemara that was owned by the Vilna Gaon himself. Okay, it's pretty chasim. And if you look carefully, there is the Vilna Gaon writes um, writes different um, different things in the sefer, and also there's wax drippings throughout the sefer from the Vilna Gaon's ca- uh, candle. The Vilna Gaon they didn't have electricity back then. So they used to learn at night from candles and uh, some of the wax inadvertently dripped onto the Gemara. So we have the wax stains of the candle that was uh, the Volnegein. Now, this, um, this is uh, obviously a very, very rare volume and you see if you, there, there's like the Volnegein wrote on the margins of the Gemara. All different types of chidushim uh, and, and things like, we also write, right? Do we ever write on the side of our Gemara? So maybe it's like someday our gemaras will be very valuable as well. You never know. But um, the interesting part of this uh, story is a sidebar that I put here uh, with Rupsheim Azalman Arabach. This is the great Rupsheim Azalman Arabach. Um, and the story goes like this. This is going back uh, a couple of decades. And somebody came to the Reb Shlomo with a gemara. I think it was this gemara that a seicher, a svarim dealer, offered this person who came to Reb Shlomo to buy a, a gemara that was owned by the Vilna Gaon with the Vilna Gaon's chidushim on the side and with his wax drippings. And he was very excited to buy it. This was a collector, a from collector that wanted to buy it. But before he wanted, before he decided to buy it, he wanted to ask Reb exactly like how much he wanted to show the volume to him and to ask him if he felt he should buy it. So, what do you think the answer was? What is Rosh Hashem answer? Of course, uh, the Grah, the, you know, the, and Rosh Hashem you know, descended from, from the, from the Vilna Gain, his family, uh, the shul that he davened in was called the Grah shul, the Vilna shul. So, he basically, he knew a thing or two about the Vilna And yet, Listen to what Rav Shlomo Zalman said. In a sweet manner, Rav Shlomo Zalman said, since it's a second-hand book, you should pay 40 shekels for it uh, and no more. Not even 50 shekels. It is forbidden to fritter away Jewish money. I mean, it's always, obviously, this costs really like 300,000 shekel at least, maybe more, maybe a million shekel, but don't even pay more. It's a second-hand safer. Don't pay any more than 50 shekels. So the shocked questioner managed to stutter, but, 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 but this volume belonged to the Vilna Gain himself. Rabbi Shalim held firm and replied, you should ask the seller for permission to copy over the glosses which the Gain wrote in the margin. I mean, he asked the, whoever is trying to sell it to you, ask him if you can make a photocopy or take some pictures and, and you'll, you'll get the chidushim out of the Gemara. What do you need the actual Gemara for? but under no circumstances should you pay an exorbitant price for the Gemara. The man pointed out the wax stains that dotted the folios, which had dripped from the Gain's candle. Motioning towards a closet in the corner of the room, Rabbi gently responded, I have plenty of candles in there. Rabbi Arbach was not unmoved by what others would consider impressive. Rather, he was in complete control of his emotions and was able to rationally assess everything according to its true value. What did it matter that the Volnagain once possessed this volume? Would a person gain additional understanding of the terra by possessing it or even studying from it? The important thing was to have access to the glosses. And that was the, uh, it's, which is an interesting thing because according to what I just said, basically you could take this whole book and throw it in, in Seamus because it's sort of, undermine the whole premise of the safer and that is that there is value to things that were owned by Tzadikim and owned by gedalim. but you know there's Eil of there's different ways of uh, very different ways of looking at uh, at things in, in life um, okay we're going to do one more this is a, another fascinating story um there were two, uh, the, in, during the 18th century, one of the G'day his name was Rav Yaakov Emden. There's a famous uh, machlekis, a famous controversy between Rav Yaakov Emden and another great rabbi called Rabinus and Ibishitz. They lived in the same community, and they had a very famous uh, dispute about uh, accusing, one was accusing the other of being a follower of Svi. Tzvi, uh, you know, during that, a very strange period in Jewish history. But anyway, this Rabbi Yaakov Emden was a known uh, genius. He knew everything in Torah. Uh, he wrote many, many dozens of sfarim, um, and he was a son of the Chacham Tzvi. Okay. Now, in a, one, of many, one of his halachic works, which is called Mar Uketziah, so he discusses the law mentioned in Shachanach regarding the blessing recited by a person who is miraculously saved. There's a... If you ever... You know, hopefully you're not, you're not in a dangerous situation, but if you are, and you get saved, there's a bracha that's made, Sha'asa li Meaning if you go, if let's say, a person's in a very bad accident, every time, you know, he goes to that scene of the accident, he should be making a, this bracha of, Sha'asa li that Hashem performed a miracle for me at this place. Now... Rav Yaakov Emden's opinion is that when one's life is spared from a fire, even though the salvation was not supernatural, meaning I got out in time, I was saved by a fire, it wasn't a miracle, it wasn't like the, you know, but it was sort of seemed natural, so long as the divine providence was evident, as long as there was hashkacha pratis that you could see that saved me, the full blessing invoking Hashem's name, meaning not just saying it without Hashem's name, Baruch Atah Hashem, with his real name, but you could say it even with his full name, Uh, and he adds that he personally experienced such a miracle and recited the blessing in its entirety. Now, if you look in the back of that sefer, Mara Uketsiya, Rabbi Yaakov Emden elaborates on this, and he says that one night, he was up late, learning from a sefer at his wooden shtender. The shtender had a hole in it, which served as a receptacle for a candle, which provided his light. So in the olden days, they had a shtender. The shtender had a hole, and in the hole, there was like a cup that they put a candle in, and that's where, and he would learn by the light of the candle, like we said before, that the Vilna used to do. Exhausted, Rabbi Emden fell asleep his head resting on his arm, which was leaning on the shtender. Somehow the candle receptacle in some papers caught fire from the candle. Fortunately, Rabbi Emden awoke just in the nick of time before his life was jeopardized. He writes that similar episodes occurred twice or three times to him. And once, he says, the Sefer he was learning was at Tur Arachayim, you know, one of the volumes of Tur, which is one of the Shulchan Arufs, regarding the laws of blessings embers from the fire burned a hole through several pages in the middle of the Sefer, reaching until Simmon 218. That's the chapter number which discusses the aforementioned blessing of Shasa, Li Nesbimak So he was like, he was, let's say, up to this page. That's where his Sefer was open to his Shulchan Aruch. The fire caught fire in the middle of the Sefer. There was like an ember that dropped and it burned through several pages until it got to the Simmon Discussing shasalines before Rabbi Emden suddenly awoke and extinguished the fire, he interpreted this as a sign that such an incident qualified as miraculous and and that it was warranted and that it warranted the recital of the bracha. He ends by reporting that the burn marks are in his tour until this very day. Now, where would, would it be pretty cool if I was able to find? a copy of that tour with the burn marks that Mamish goes to that, to that page, I think that would be pretty cool. So I saw in some safer that this tour is in a library and it's not in a library in Europe or it's Israel or Russia, it's, it's in Columbia, Columbia Library. In Columbia University, there's a library called the Butler Library and in the rare book room of the Butler Library in New York City, uh, they have a copy of this tour. So I made an appointment to visit the library where the curator kindly permitted me to observe and photograph this historic remnant and to behold her eminence miracle with my own eyes. So if you look, this is, this is what the safer from the outside looks like. This is the safer itself in the inside. Now all of these little marks is what like, he used to make, I guess, like commas or periods in, his, in the tour. And over here is where you see the burn mark. And it goes mamish until that the, that halacha of see this is like it ends over here. This is the this is the halacha about making a bracha of a mir- when a miracle happens to you. And the fire started a few pages earlier in it, and it burned to that page. But if you're interested, you could also you could go today, like to uh, if, you, if you have an interest to see the Rabbi Yaakov Emden's tour. It's a piece of history, and it's located in New York City. It's not such a, it's not an impossible thing. You go there, you make an appointment, and uh, and you'd be able to see it with your own with your own eyes. And these are just uh, three out of out of out of many svarim that I'm, I bring in this chapter. Uh, but they're all like historic in nature. They're all very very uh, uh, important with unique you know stories to them, and uh, and it was uh, it was very fascinating. Like it was so. It was so uh, so much fun, like you can imagine like the search to try to find these things where like you know it's like literally detective work. Like you hear about, you know, the tour is in the Columbia and really like you find, you call a curator, this and that, and you make an appointment, then you go there. I brought a photographer with me, a friend of mine who is who is good with photography, and uh, we went and we, we took pictures and you know it was just uh, and one after another, you know, if you people ask me, how were you we able to like find all these things? I really don't know, and the answer is I don't know. It's like really would take a whole team of like detectives in a normal situation to find a lot of these things, but Hashem, like bless me, Hashem gave me tremendous siat d'shmaia, like heavenly assistance, and every everything that I was setting myself up to try to find, I think most of the things I found. There were a few exceptions um, where the things don't exist anymore. Like there's, for example, the Chavitz Chaim. Had a um, there's a story, a very famous story about a tehillim that the Chavetz Chaim's mother had, and um, and you can imagine the Chavetz Chaim's mother was probably a pretty big tzaddikas, and she would daven from this tour from this tehillim rather, and there was like tears, like 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 you could see supposedly like the teardrops on the pages. That that would be something I would have really liked to have in the book. So. I tracked down, like, you know, and the sister owned it, and then she gave it to her brother, the Chavitz Chaim, and uh, the Chavitz Chaim had it. And things are still in the family of the Chavitz Chaim. There's, like, the Zax family, um, you know, they uh, and they have a lot of, they have the, his Gartel, uh, they have, um, I don't know, they have a few things from the Chavitz Chaim. So I called them up, and one person led me to another person, another relative, another cousin. Anyway, it turns out that this Tehillim, was given... They used to lend it out to, like, kalas uh, to use under the chuppah. You know, the davening, it's a nice thing to use. The Chavetzalim's mothers tell them as you're davening by the badek and by the chuppah. And um, anyway, it was lent out to a kala, and, and the kala was supposed to return it, like, I guess, the morning after the khasna. She left it in a taxi. She le- She was going back to wherever, a hotel with her chasnah, And I guess she was excited or whatever, and she didn't uh, pay attention, and she left this priceless till. I mean, if that till would go on auction, literally a million dollars and up, easy. But she left an attack. She she called back the next day, and she was like, obviously, she felt very bad. She was probably devastated, and the family was probably angry and whatnot, but uh, but that's what it is. So a lot of the pieces that I was looking for, uh, when I wasn't able to find, is just because they simply... Weren't there? You know, they they just vanished. And a lot of pieces, sometimes either over the course of time, people just don't know what what it is that they have, and they they throw it in Seamus or they I don't know. They sell everything. It just like things get lost. And uh, you know, a lot of times when I was looking for things, they just like you know, a lot of things are no longer uh, available. Not because they didn't let me take pictures of them. Most people did, but um, but just things are are. Uh, you know, things over, over time, you know, either get lost or get ruined. And, uh, and that's why I felt it was like a very important thing to write this book because, you know, maybe in, in 200 years from now, a lot of these pieces are not going to be around anymore, but at least they'll have a, the ability to see it and, you know, through pictures. And I think that itself is a contribution. Okay, Lisa.